Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's September 29th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got two big briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, Joe Biden blasted Donald Trump and his MAGA Republicans yesterday, warning that America is under attack by his extremist movement. But I've got a fact check on those claims that I suspect the White House is not going to like. Second, America is not alone in dealing with a global migration crisis this morning. The countries of Sweden, Italy, and Costa Rica, they too are buckling under the stress and criminality of illegal migrants. So we will cover the latest in all three of those countries in just a bit with a focus on why we should care. Later, a listener question for you today. Actually, a whole bunch of people wrote in and they are demanding, Brian, give us some good news. Okay, I've got some. Four pieces of good news today, all about healing our bodies. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Joe Biden launched into a blistering attack yesterday against Republicans and Donald Trump, saying that, quote, there is something dangerous happening in America. There is an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs of our democracy. That movement is the MAGA movement, end quote. Of course, Mr. Biden is referring to Donald Trump's slogan of Make America Great Again or MAGA. And as ever, he is saying that Trump and his voters are extremist and dangerous. Although Mr. Biden added that he's not referring to all Republicans. In fact, he said that he has worked with some good ones in the past, like John McCain of Arizona. But, quote, there is no question that today's Republican Party is driven and uh, intimidated by MAGA extremists, end quote. Finally, Mr. Biden emphasized yesterday in his speech that, well, he has concerns about how Trump and MAGA Republicans are attacking the very foundations of our country. Quote, we have to stand up for the Constitution and our institutions of democracy because MAGA extremists have made clear that they will not. End quote. Well, as he was firing off that very heated rhetoric, observers were wondering why exactly Mr. Biden was making this argument yesterday. Some say that he earnestly believes it, that Mr. Trump and his MAGA Republicans are a grave threat to our republic. But as CNN reported, this speech is part of his reelection campaign and its delivery was about, quote, sharpening the central argument in his potential rematch with Donald Trump that he is a threat to the nation, end quote. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Biden's rhetoric yesterday was colored by his attempts to distinguish himself from Mr. Trump politically in the general election next year, all, of course, with the goal of winning back the White House. One final thing to note for you regarding Mr. Biden's speech, as you will see in the transcript for my paid subscribers, if you explore his speech, at no point did he ever define exactly what a MAGA Republican might be or what exactly they might believe in. 
Now, a couple of years ago, there was a, a fact check done on this problem of defining MAGA extremists, and it quoted Mr. Biden as saying that there are three things that make up such an extremist. First, MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. Second, they do not believe in the rule of law. And third, they do not recognize the will of the people. In other words, the results of an election. So folks, those are the facts and data from yesterday's speech that Mr. Biden delivered on what he calls the extremist MAGA movement in the United States. And I bring you this because it is, I think, very important to understand whether or not this claim has any merit. Because first, we have heard this before, and we are going to hear it a lot more over the next year, so we need to understand and address this. Second, I will tell you, having spent decades in the CIA and the intel community fighting Islamic extremism, I know that this kind of label is very serious, and it requires sober analysis to be successful if we want to fight it. So let's apply that sober attention to this issue, shall we? And pivot now to my analysis and opinion on whether or not Mr. Biden's claim has any merit. And to do so, let's use Mr. Biden's own definition of MAGA extremism, right? He talked about three key elements. First, it is someone who does not respect the Constitution. Well, that is interesting. Because back on September 11th, I gave you three examples of Mr. Biden doing just that, violating the U.S. Constitution. To refresh our memories on that, the first example that I gave you was from back in August of 2021, when Mr. Biden and his CDC issued a moratorium on evictions that was related to the COVID pandemic. Now, as we recall, as he was going through and preparing to issue that moratorium, he spoke of that, well, doing so would be unconstitutional. So here's what he said, quote, I've sought out constitutional scholars to determine whether the, the moratorium is legal, and the bulk of constitutional scholarship says it is not likely to pass constitutional muster, end quote. But he did it anyway. And then, as expected, the Supreme Court, yes, ruled that his actions were a violation of the U.S. Constitution. So that is example number one of his own definition of political extremism. The second is Mr. Biden's forgiveness of student loan debt. Now, as listeners will recall, he issued an executive order on this deal, even though he said at the time that it would be unconstitutional. And as the first issue, he did it anyway. And again, the later the Supreme Court ruled that, yeah, Mr. Biden had violated the law. Finally, this same thing happened with COVID mandates, too. The Supreme Court tossed out the Biden mandates, namely for large businesses. The point is, by his own definition, Mr. Biden is an extremist because he knowingly violated and disrespected the Constitution. Okay, that takes us to Mr. Biden's second definition of a MAGA extremist. These folks do not respect the rule of law. Well, that is also peculiar because at this very moment, Mr. Biden is being investigated for removing classified information from secure facilities going all the way back to the 1970s, all the way until his vice presidency in the 20-teens. Now, as listeners know, classified material has been found in Mr. Biden's home library, his garage, and at least two offices in Washington, D.C. In other words, we have a pretty clear example of a disrespect of the rule of law. Meanwhile, Mr. Biden is also facing a House investigation into his alleged acts of corruption with his son, Hunter, Acts that are captured on a laptop that the junior Biden abandoned at a repair shop years ago. Well, the point is that 
per Mr. Biden's own definition, he is a political extremist because he does not respect the rule of law himself. Certainly in the case of the classified material and likely the case of corruption with his son, Hunter. Finally, Mr. Biden said that a MAGA extremist is someone who doesn't respect the will of the people. In other words, someone who challenges an election result. And of course, he is referring here to Trump and other Republicans who think that there were some electoral shenanigans in the 2020 election. Okay, well, fair enough. But if that is the threshold for extremism, then we are going to need to lock up virtually every single Democrat who has served in Congress over the past 20 years. And that is because, as noted by PolitiFact and others, House Democrats have objected to the election results of both George Bush and Donald Trump when they were elected. Meanwhile, I've got another video link in the transcript, and it will take you to 24 minutes of Democrats who are challenging election results going back decades. And it involves politicians like Hillary Clinton, Al Gore, and, yes, Joe Biden. In other words, folks, Mr. Biden's definition of a MAGA extremist once again includes him and his party because they often challenge election results. So there's a plot twist for you. One final thing to note, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Biden made these comments yesterday, which, of course, were focused on democracy and the health of our government. But that's quite remarkable because of what we spoke of yesterday. Polling shows that 91 percent of Americans are alarmed by their food budgets. 87% of us are concerned about fuel prices, and 70% of you all think that the economy is on the wrong track. Meanwhile, other polling shows that you were concerned mostly about crime, homelessness, drugs, fentanyl, illegal migration. In other words, America's democracy does not register as a top concern for you all in any poll anywhere right now. So it's remarkable, I think, that Mr. Biden and his team would think that this political speech would be some sort of political winner, because it's not. Meanwhile, the irony is that the very extremist movement that he just warned us about, well, that movement sits firmly in the Oval Office this morning by his own very definition. And that, folks, is a fact check that I bet the White House will not like to hear this morning. With that... Let's take our first break of the day. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, an equal thanks and enjoy the following messages remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted, and that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about JaceMedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at jasemedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, it, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So, friends, go to jasemedical.com, 
enter promo code right that is w r i g h t and you will get a discounted order again that is promo code right at j a s e medical.com folks we are entering into the fall and winter which sometimes gives us good weather but sometimes not and if you have ever been through the bad stuff say a windstorm or frozen rain you know that the time to prepare is not when the lights go off the time to prepare is right now and that is why you should order emergency supplies from 4patriots.com. And when you do, folks, take a look at their long-lasting and very tasty food options. Their food kits are hand-packed in the U.S. of A., last for up to 25 years. They include a wide variety of breakfasts and lunches and dinners and are backed by thousands of five-star customer reviews. So, folks, go to 4patriots.com, explore their products, and make sure that whatever you do, you buy supplies that get you ready for whatever might come your way. And right now, when you buy those supplies, you are going to get 10% off, but only if you use promo code right on that first purchase. So go to 4patriots.com. That is number 4patriots.com. Use that promo code right, W-R-I-G-H-T, and you're going to get that 10% off your first order. So, my friends, please do go to 4patriots.com and go there today before the lights go off. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. Well, folks, it is not just the United States that is dealing with a migrant crisis this morning. It is happening all around the world as well. And to understand where and why, let's start in Sweden this morning. The prime minister there delivered a speech to the nation last night, sounding the alarm about violence in that country led by gang networks operated largely by Arab migrants. As the prime minister noted, the month of September has been the deadliest month on record in his country, with shootings and bombings by various migrant gangs, the most notorious of which is called the Foxtrot Group. And that, by the way, is operated by migrants from the Middle Eastern ethnic group that is called the Kurds. So the prime minister's speech was delivered just hours after a bomb exploded north of the capital of Stockholm. Five homes were shredded to pieces with a 25-year-old woman who died from injuries that were sustained in that bomb blast. Then the day before, a group of Swedish kids were mowed down by migrant gangs as the kids were practicing soccer and other sports. An 18-year-old young man was killed. But I should note that this uh, crime wave as of late, it's not a new phenomenon. Two years ago, a Swedish study showed that eight in every 10 shootings in that country were from these migrants and these gangs. And for years, national politicians in Sweden have acknowledged that this was happening. And the reason they said it was happening is because of open border policies that were allowing in migrants and asylum seekers that ultimately were refusing or unable to assimilate. In fact, this issue of migrants and assimilation, it drove the Swedish people, the voters, all to the polls during the last election to demand change, and they got it. The then prime minister, a gal named Magdalena Andersson, she was thrown out of office, and the new guy, a fellow named Ulf Christensen, he promised to fix things. Unfortunately, things have largely gotten worse since then, leading to last night's speech to, uh, to the nation, where Mr. Christensen said, well, drastic actions have to take place in his country, ultimately to address the failed migration policies. He called those, quote, political naivete, end quote. Meanwhile, his rival, the former prime minister, she agreed with him. 
She announced yesterday that she wants the Swedish military to step in to exert control over what is 30,000 migrants who are believed to be involved in these foreign gangs. As she said yesterday, quote, this is not Sweden. This is not how Sweden is supposed to be, end quote. Of course, acknowledging all the profound violence over the past month and past several years. In other words, the wrestling question in Sweden this morning is how to make Sweden great again, as it were. Well, according to these two politicians from different sides of the political aisle, this Christensen and Anderson, they are saying that Swedish laws have to be changed this morning, including both the ability to charge minors for crimes, that is because young migrant men are driving most of the shootings and bombings, but also the laws have to change because they need to deport more migrants. These are migrants who are not able or interested in assimilating into Swedish culture. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the latest out of that lovely country. More to come on that. Let's keep our eyes on it. From there, we head south to the southern part of Europe to the lovely, beautiful country of Italy, where they too are dealing with a migrant crisis with people from Libya, Tunisia, and other African nations flooding into that country. So here's what we know, starting with the small Italian island of Lampedusa. Now, if you happen to have your maps either on your computers or phones or in your minds, you will see that Lampedusa is about halfway between Sicily and the country of Tunisia. It's a very small place, about 6,000 people or so. It's a vacation island for most. But for the past several weeks, that island has been absolutely overwhelmed with African migrants. They are coming from Tunisia and Libya, that is certainly true, but many of them are also coming from Central and Western Africa, fleeing poverty, of course, those places are pretty rough shape, and they're attracted to Italy and the broader Europe because of its guaranteed social benefits, like you know, income, housing, schooling, and medical care. And it is those migrants from Africa who have absolutely overwhelmed that tiny, uh, tiny island of Lampedusa this morning to the point they have doubled the size of the island's population. And normally it's about 6,000 natives and they are now at 18,000 or so. And by the way, more, more, thousands more of illegal migrants are on the way. To that end, well, they're thinking about 120 boats per week are going to be coming onto that island. Although some recent bad weather has slowed some of that flotilla action down a bit. Although in some cases people are doing it anyway, trying their luck and Pretty horrifyingly, boats are capsizing and migrants are drowning. But beyond Lampedusa, the Italian people are more broadly just being absolutely inundated with illegals this year. But all in all, about 120,000 migrants have landed on various Italian shores, and that is a record this year. The conservative government of that country, led by the current prime minister, Miss Maloney, she has tried working with the Tunisian government to shut down these flotillas, but so far to no effect. And if you're wondering why, well, part of the reason is this. European migrant groups and activists, they are actually encouraging these African migrants to take these various sea voyages. And these activists in Europe are telling these Africans to do this, to take these very dangerous boat rides, because they say that their organizations, they have boats, and they're going to go out into the Mediterranean and save them and bring them to European shores. Well, in fact, leftists in the German government have, have admitted to doing this. They are, in fact, funding the activist NGOs to do it. And that is despite the Italian government saying to the Germans, well, knock it off. Indeed, the Italian prime minister, Miss Maloney, has been hammering the German chancellor, who's named Olaf Scholz, 
Well, she's saying, look, your government is complicit with this. And in some cases, the migrant deaths. Well, his foreign minister has said in response, too bad. We are going to continue to fund these activist organizations and these boats to help the illegals. And that is because, as the Germans said, quote, we are committed to countering the deaths in the Mediterranean with humanity, end quote. Well, I should note that uh, not all these migrants are acting with such humanitarian grace. Over 11,000 of them are lying about their age, at least according to the Italian government, saying that they're kids when in fact they're adults. And they're doing that because per Italian law, kids cannot be deported. By the way, one more thing on this German angle. If you're wondering why there might be another reason the Germans are doing this, you know, helping migrants flood Italy, well, Prime Minister Maloney's party in Italy believes that the Germans are doing this because their leftist government is trying to destabilize the conservative government in Italy by encouraging this migrant crisis. In fact, here was what uh, Prime Minister Maloney's party said recently about that. Quote, 80 years ago, the German government invaded countries with its army. Now, it's paying for an invasion by these clandestine migrants all to destabilize governments throughout Europe, end quote. Okay, so there, there's the mess in Italy this morning, all about illegal migration from Africa, encouraged in part by the German leftist government. With that, we move on to Costa Rica, of course, a little bit closer to home. Now, that is a country that used to be quite lovely and peaceful, but no longer. Costa Rican President Rodrigo Chavez declared a state of emergency in his Central American nation this week because he is facing two parallel crises. First, as we all know, there is a massive wave of illegal migrants coming from Colombia and Panama, and they're heading, of course, to the United States. But as they do, they are stopping in Costa Rica for a while, taking advantage, at least according to the president of Costa Rica, of his nation's kindness and generosity. So here's his quote. I have told the security minister to take a firm stance with anyone who takes Costa Rica's kindness for weakness, end quote. He added that, quote, we are a generous people, but don't confuse that generosity with weakness. The deportation processes have already begun, end quote. Uh, then he said, unfortunately, many of these illegals that they're deporting are coming back, again, despite being deported. And when they come back, a shocking number of them are engaging in criminality. According to the Costa Rican government, they are dealing with at least 5,000 illegal migrants who are actually criminals fleeing their homelands for another greener pasture, as it were. But instead of going north to America, some are simply choosing to stay in Costa Rica to engage in various forms of criminality. And that has led to the second reason that Costa Rica's president just declared a state of emergency, and that is crime. Folks, this year in Costa Rica will be the deadliest in Costa Rican history, with more murders this year than ever recorded. Costa Rican authorities believe that gangs and cartels are driving much of that violence, either foreign Mexican cartels, uh, domestic thugs, and or illegals who are being recruited to become drug mules for these various cartels and thugs. Indeed, about two-thirds of the homicides this year in Costa Rica are due to turf wars between these gangs and cartels, Mostly due, by the way, to a record amount of cocaine that is being produced in the leftist country of Colombia. In fact, here's something that you might not know. Cocaine is set to become Colombia's number one export this year under the leftist president of that country, Gustavo Petro. 
So, yes, that means that cocaine will overtake oil as the country's largest export. Wow. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, three different migrant crises in three different nations in Sweden, Italy and Costa Rica. And as we all now know, these crises are upending lives. They are killing innocent people and they are causing just an absolute profound distress and unrest in country after country all around the world. With that, let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion of what to make of all of these various crises all around the world. And to do this, I, let's, let's step back for a moment and kind of think big picture. What might be driving all of this? And let's first start with this foundational fact. There are an untold number of poor people all around the world. Estimates range from 700 million in extreme poverty to over 2 billion. Okay, second, these poor people are looking at rich nations and thinking, boy, I would love to live there. And you know what? Who can blame them? Third, these rich nations are creating welfare states, largely driven by leftist governments. And these folks are granting all kinds of benefits, regardless of citizenship. In other words, all those sanctuary city policies that we talk about here in the United States. And yes, those are incentives, magnets for poor people all around the world. And predictably, poor people are saying, oh, good, then I will go there now. And they do. And they are on planes and boats and on their feet. And I'll tell you, no reasonable person blames these poor folks, these migrants, for wanting to live in a great nation with resources and the rule of law. But again, the problem is the sheer number we're talking about, right? 700 million to 2 billion. Plus, as we talked about this morning, not all of these migrants actually care about the culture or the language or the history of the nations that they're going to. They they just want jobs, money, the the, the goodies, education, and housing. Plus, you throw in the mix of all the criminal networks. They certainly don't care about things like culture and language and history. They just want to abuse these countries and make a whole bunch of money. And that is precisely, ladies and gentlemen, what we are seeing in in the chaos of Sweden, Italy, and Costa Rica this morning. And you know what? Here in the U.S. too, right? Hordes of humanity are responding to this leftist magnet of a better life. And consequences, of course, well, be damned. Although this morning, let us remember that some leftists, especially in the United States, are realizing that perhaps their various social welfare schemes were all heart and no head. You will recall that governors of New York and Massachusetts are calling in their national guards to help with the deluge of illegals. Then, of course, the leftist mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, is saying that his city is going to be destroyed by this migrant crisis. So, folks, I tell you, if, if, if you step back and think about it, we are living through a profound moment of human history where borders are falling all around the world and countries are being invaded. In other words, the world's poor and criminals alike are rushing from the global south to the global north, all to take advantage of these leftist plans and schemes that ultimately change the world. Or if I might bring back the quote that I gave you from the Italian government, they said of the leftists in Germany, 80 years ago, the German government invaded countries with its army. And now it's paying for an invasion by clandestine migrants to destabilize governments. Well, whether or not you agree with that, it's, I think, pretty clear looking at the numbers. The invasion is real and it is underway. The question is for us here in the United States, are we going to participate in this? 
Are we going to let this destabilize our government or not? As a reminder, federal elections are in November of next year. That is when you will have the chance to decide if we fall or we rise. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question sent to us from, well, actually a whole bunch of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. And here's the demand that I'm getting, uh, which is best described by a fellow named Gary from upstate in New York. Brian, please give us some good news. You are like the angel of death most days. So tell us something good. Okay, fine, Gary. Let's talk about something good. Four things, actually. Call me the angel of death. First up, good news about long COVID. Although before we get into the good news, let's start with some background. Long COVID, of course, is a syndrome made up of a collection of symptoms following an infection with COVID. That typically ranges from effects that hammer the brain, the heart, digestive system, even reproductive organs. They end up otherwise damaged or impacted. Now, there has been a lot of debate over the past few years about exactly what long COVID might be, how common it is, and if so, how to treat it. Well, we've got a little bit of clarity to all those questions, and here's the ultimate takeaway. The risks of getting long COVID are largely exaggerated. That is at least according to researchers at the University of California, San Francisco, which is a well-regarded medical research facility, and the folks there said that this entire field of study about long COVID, well, it is just a hot mess. Okay, that's my paraphrase. Here's what they said in fancy medical words. Quote, there have been overly broad case definitions of long COVID and a striking absence of control groups. And that has led to a distortion of risk. The unintended consequences of this may include, but are not limited to, increased social anxiety, increased healthcare spending, failure to diagnose other treatable conditions, and a diversion of funds and attention from those patients who truly suffer from chronic conditions other than COVID-19. End quote. See, I told you, total hot mess. But the good news is that long COVID is not as likely or as dangerous or as widespread as formerly believed. So we celebrate that. Next up from me, the angel of death, some good news about how to treat autoimmune diseases. Researchers at the University of Michigan and University of Colorado added to the growing evidence we have that ginger supplements are effective at treating the inflammation that is tied to autoimmune conditions like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Study participants at the, with these researchers took seven days worth of ginger supplements at 20 milligrams each day, and the resulting blood work demonstrated an increase in a good chemical that is called CAMP or C-AMP, and that helped push down a bad thing called a net or netosis, and ultimately that helped with inflammation in the body. Now, these researchers are now on to the next step. It's a new study with more participants in a control group plus different dosing levels. So more to come on this, but very good news for those of us who love folks who deal with autoimmune disorders. Third, another great piece of news. If you deal with age-related hearing loss, here is something to listen to, no pun intended. Researchers in Argentina found that a very common supplement or substance called phytosterols help repair the sensory cells in the inner ear 
Those are called the outer hair cells or OHCs. And here's the deal behind this type of hearing loss. So as we age, these OHCs in our ears lose their ability to stretch in response to sound. And that prevents sound amplification and that leads to you know, age-related hearing loss. Well, researchers thought that this very common substance or supplement, again, these phytosterols, might help repair these OHCs and ultimately improve their function. And in mice, this stuff did exactly that. So good news and thank you, Mickey. By the way, this supplement or substance is actually found naturally in food, mostly in plants like fruits and vegetables and whole grains. And by the way, the process here is that these phytosterols help naturally keep our cholesterol levels low, and that cholesterol helps play a role in hearing loss. So there you go. Eat those plants. Finally this morning, let's talk about your brains. Science has long known about the magical powers of the placebo effect. That, of course, is where we think or believe that we're getting a pill or powder or a treatment, but actually there's no medicine inside any of it. Instead, our minds are tricked into believing that this stuff is going to make us better, and we do. In other words, our minds heal our bodies. Well, researchers are exploring this placebo effect, and they have shared in the journal Nature Mental Health that this placebo effect can be a powerful tool in helping to deal with depression. So here's what they did. They placed something that is called a transcranial magnetic stimulation device. In other words, magnets on the heads of folks who are dealing with depression, because some people believe that this is actually a good way to treat depression through magnetism. Well, these researchers wondered if that is actually true, or rather it is the placebo effect. And so they explored two large sets of data from two big, big trials, and they found that, yes, the sham magnets performed just as well as the actual magnets, and ultimately both did improve depressive symptoms. In other words, our brains can heal our depression. The power of suggestion really does work. And that's pretty neat. So, Gary from New York. How is that? Good news, just for you, coming from America's leading angel of death. Folks, if you would like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it is easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which we will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up, and at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you on Monday, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.